is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Monday, September 14th. And there we go, baby. It's not officially in the books just yet, because, of course, we have two games today. You might even be listening to this as the first game's going on. Uh, But here we go. Week one. It was crazy. (laughs) Not exactly how we drew it up, right? A little bit crazy there. It was week one. I repeat. It was week one. Let's not freak the F out over everything that just happened. It was week one. Okay? Just getting that out there. Marathon, not a sprint. All right? So today we do have to talk a little bit about what happened on the field and some injuries. Of course, there are injuries. And we also have to talk a little bit about tonight's contest. Before I get into that, though, of course, i got to talk about our sponsor for the show, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there's no salary caps and you don't have to play against the Sharks. That means anybody has a chance of winning, even you. Monkeyknifefight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Football, baseball, basketball, hockey, I can't talk golf, <laughs> UFC, NASCAR, WNBA esports. Monkey Night Fight has it all. You know what else? MonkeyNightFight.com has a free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, you'll have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50. R A N T. With a name like MonkeyNightFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're getting into when you sign up to play Monkeys and Knives and Fights and Sports. And I still can't talk. <laughs> sign up to play today. At monkeyknifefight.com, play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions like that, though. Now the football's back. R-A-N-T. Use that promo code RANT. All right, so let me dive into these injuries first and foremost before I unpack what we saw this weekend. The biggest news of the day, Marlon Mack, torn Achilles, out for the year. And, of course, we we are going to have a lot to unpack there. Now, in looking back at this game, I don't think it's clear that Naeem... Naeem Hines put up the big fantasy numbers, but I don't think it's clear that he is the dude. So I'll talk about that in a minute when I get to... you know, I'm going to give you a couple quick thoughts on each of the games that we saw. I don't think he's just the dude, so let's be clear on that one, okay? So Marlon Mack out for the season. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. High ankle sprain. Uh, He's high ankle sprain, man. He's probably not going to play... In week two, just throwing that out there, not what you want to see if you drafted Michael Thomas in the first round. I mean, it's not a, a torn Achilles, so there's that, but not what you want to see there with Michael Thomas. George Kittle looked looked like it was maybe going to be a little bit worse than what it ended up being, but a, a, a leg injury, he was able to finish the game, and he said he was all right afterwards, felt fine, but we'll keep an eye on his practice reports. Le'Veon Bell with a hammy. Could miss time with that potentially. Not much appeal to Frank Gore, but we'll, you know, again, tomorrow we'll be all devoted to waivers. Boston Scott banged up, so it was Corey Clement. I think Miles Sanders will be back on the field this week. Philly needs it. <laughs> Philly's banged up, man. Philly's banged up. Henry Ruggs had a knee injury, but was able to return. We'll keep an eye on his status. Blake Jarwin out uh, for the year with a torn ACL. So Dalton Schultz will be the next man up there, but not much appeal. For fantasy purposes. So, yeah, football's back. That's good. That means injuries are back. That's not good. Injuries suck. Just going <laughs> to, not going to beat around the bush on this one. Injuries suck. They are annoying. They are the worst part of football. 
they suck. And that's that's where we are. So anyway, I want to go sort of, you know, game by game, give you a couple quick thoughts on each of the games. Again, we want to react on a football Monday. We don't want to overreact. Sure, it's fun to overreact, fun to get all fired up. But the reality is I've seen so many people make very, very bad mistakes on a football Monday or after a, after a weekend of, of craziness. And the reality is that they're overreacting. Let's just react, not overreact. It's week one. This was the preseason. <laughs> this is basically what we were. Uh, the other thing that I, I want to make sure, you know, people who doubt themselves based on the moves that they made. You know, somebody said to me earlier today, well, I'm kicking myself because I started Marvin Jones over Sammy Watkins or whatever it was. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. You didn't start him over. There is no world. Oh, there's the other one. I started James White over Naeem Hines. No, you didn't. <laughs> you didn't start him over Naeem Hines. Like, you would have never, before Sunday, like yesterday morning, you would have never, if we did it a thousand times, you would have never started Naeem Hines over James White. Never. So you didn't make the wrong move. <laughs> I'll say never one more time for you. You didn't make the wrong move. You didn't make the wrong move. It's the process that I always talk about. Process over results. You made the smart decision. The right move doesn't always work out. But if we do it enough times, if we play this game over a long enough span of time, the right move is going to work out more often than it doesn't. So just keep that in mind. Never, never started James White over Naeem Hines. Or Naeem Hines over James White. You never would have done it. Never in a million years would have started him. Just getting that out there. So don't beat yourself up. Don't beat yourself up. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about that Eagles game. I chuckle a little bit because I am in, in the Philadelphia area, and boy, oh boy, this is the worst team ever in NFL history, according to my Facebook timeline. But the reality is this team's really banged up, and it's not even an excuse. I mean, the offensive line was absolutely decimated, and it showed Because boy, oh boy, Carson Wentz could not stay upright and he had no time to throw. Washington got after him like crazy in this one. Eight sacks, including uh, one and a half for rookie second overall pick, Chase Young. Matt Ioannidis from Temple University getting in there with one and a half sacks as well. But really, let's talk about the offense here. So it was a lot of Dallas Goddard, as I expected. Dallas Goddard, man, he's the number one fantasy tight end as of right now, before tonight. Eight for 101 and a a touchdown. He looked awesome. Uh, Jalen Rager looked awesome on his one catch, but that was it. Deshaun Jackson really wasn't out there a ton. It it was a weird game. It was a weird game. Boston Scott with the injury, the mystery injury. Zach Ertz kind of bails you out with the touchdown, but you have to be concerned a little bit. And not the the catch volume that Goddard was actually out. He out-targeted Ertz. He had nine targets, seven for Ertz. That's a little concerning. We'll see what happens going forward from here. But, I mean, even in a bad game, Wentz goes for 270 and two scores. So, not overly concerned there. On the other side, <laughs> Dwayne Haskins running. <laughs> There's lumbering, I think, is the adjective. But it was a whole lot of Peyton Barber. And how about this for a Peyton Barber line? 17 for 29. <laughs> But two touchdowns. I I'll talk about him tomorrow. We'll have, we have to talk about him. You you can tell how excited I am to talk about Peyton Barber in the waiver show. But I am kind of excited to talk about Logan Thomas. Eight targets in this one. He was the tight end for this squad. Four catches, thirty-seven, and a score for him. So he's basically a three for thirty-two guy. But those guys 
are going to be relevant this year for fantasy purposes. Antonio Gibson, not the best start, but you know he did touch the ball over ten times. He had eleven touches in this one, and I think that was encouraging. Uh, you know, for his debut. So there you go, Philly and Washington. Uh, moving on here to our next contest, which is Seattle and Atlanta. I told you this was going to be a fun one to watch. How about this one? Russ was slinging it. Matty Ice, I, I mean, not necessarily dropping dimes in the end zone, but 450 passing yards. So this one was this one was an entertaining affair. On the uh, on on the Seattle side, just like we drew it up, two receiving touchdowns for Chris Carson. Why not? Uh, of course, DK got deep for one, four for ninety-five, and a score for DK. Like I thought, though, Lockett was you know a little bit more involved. I mean, target volume was the same, but Lockett caught all eight, ninety-two yards for him. Good PPR day for for Lockett. You had a Greg Olson touchdown. Man, that Greg Olson touchdown. Russ just fired the ball and Olsen turned it was there he caught it four for 24 so he's a three for 32 guy if you're just new to me and all this three for 32 is a touch is is, is a tight end who goes out catches three balls for 32 yards if he scores a touchdown he's awesome if he doesn't he sucks not really but that's what fantasy players tend to think because of the silly scoring systems we use in fantasy football but that's another topic for another time Atlanta had 300-yard receivers. I didn't look up the stats on this, but that is pretty freaking rare. Julio, Calvin Ridley, and Russell Gage. We'll talk about Russell Gage tomorrow. I'm not over the moon on him, but he is at least worth discussing. Each of them had 12 targets as well, nine catches on 12 targets. Ridley got in the end zone twice, but Julio... Don't don't let that downgrade your expectations on Julio. Not as big of a day for Hayden Hurst as I had expected, and not really that big of a day for Gurley, but Gurley did get in the end zone. So you have to like that if you if you drafted him. He was one of those, this is ugly, but I'm going to do it anyway. And a couple of those guys worked out. You know, Le'Veon Bell didn't work out, but David Johnson seems like he worked out so far in the, you know, in week one. Likewise for Gurley so far here. Moving on to that game. Uh, the Jets and the Bills, as I mentioned, Le'Veon Bell banged up in this one and gave you a whole heck of a lot of nothing for fantasy purposes. <laughs> yeah, you stay on brand, Le Bell. Uh, the only big, you know, big uh, fantasy option here was Jamison Crowder. Goes out, sees thirteen targets, catches seven for one fifteen and a touch, and that was Sam Darnold's only touch. Josh Allen did Josh Allen things. There were times where he looked awesome. There were times where he looked terrible, but he put up decent fantasy numbers. 312 and 2 as a passer, 14 for 57, and 1 as a runner. Yeah, you're not going to keep running as much. Okay, whatever. Uh, With Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, pretty close split between the two. Both of them had nine carries. Zach Moss did absolutely nothing as a runner, but Singletary really didn't do anything either. Singletary was used more as a passer, seven targets for him, four for Zach Moss. But this was my fear. It's a full-blown committee there. Uh, by the way, John Brown, 10 targets for him, and Diggs was solid. I think, generally speaking, the passing game, for fantasy purposes there, you can't really be too upset with it. The Bears and the Lions. My Mitchell Trubisky DFS play ended up working after all. I don't know what it is, but he he does play well against the Lions. 242 and 3 for him. 
He goes out, tosses a touchdown to Anthony Miller, who wasn't heavily used in this one. Four for 76 and a score on six targets. Allen Robinson, better days are ahead. I, I know people get angry when I say that, but I, I really, come on, forest over trees, better days are ahead. He had five on nine for 74 in this contest. Jimmy Graham got in the zone, a three for 32 guy, basically three for 25. And of course, Javon Wims, just like we wrote it up, got in the zone. Encouraging usage for David Montgomery. It wasn't like he was an, a true every down guy or anything like that because Tariq Cohen was used as I expected. But coming off the injury, 13 for 64, solid day there. He had a catch on three targets. So you can't be too upset about that. You might be a little upset if you... Well, DeAndre Swift, he should have had a much bigger day. He dropped the touchdown pass, but he had a touchdown on three carries, eight yards. But it was basically all Adrian Peterson. AD looked pretty good in this. I'm not going to get too out of control, but he is going to be on the waiver show tomorrow. We'll talk about him. 14 for 93 on the ground. And Adrian Peterson caught three balls in this game. So three for 21. There you go. Um... It's not an indictment of DeAndre Swift, by the way. This is definitely an indictment of Carryon Johnson, though. Not a huge day from Matty Stafford, but he did connect with TJ Hawkinson for a touchdown. Hawkinson looked good here. Marvin Jones didn't end up being the play that we had hoped. And how about this? The leader on the Lions in targets, Quintez Cephas. An exciting young rookie. Quintez Cephas, we'll have to talk about him on the show tomorrow as well. Exciting young rookie there. And, of course, getting a bump in playing time because of no Kenny Galladay. Moving over to another. This was a crazy game. The Packers, they took down the Vikings. This was a heck of an offensive performance. Aaron Rodgers showed us, yeah, he he's still Aaron Rodgers and can do Aaron Rodgers-like things. Four touchdown passes in this game. Two of them to Devontae Adams. That was the easiest call on the board this weekend, other than Josh Jacobs. Adams just destroyed the Vikings just destroyed him. 14 for Buck 56 on 17 targets in the two scores. MVS and Lazard both get in the end zone. MVS saw six targets, Lazard four, but they're going to be, you know, generally speaking, pretty even. I will talk about uh, MVS on the show tomorrow. Aaron Jones getting in the end zone as a runner. Jamal Williams, seven carries. Aaron, Aaron Jones, 16. AJ Dillon, two. AJ Dillon's droppable. I think I said this already, but just in case. Dalvin Cook had the bigger fantasy day, but it, both he and Alexander Madison, there were, I mean, Alexander Madison had more catches than Dal Cook. Alexander Madison had 10 touches. Dal Cook had 13 touches. This was pretty close in a game that was close. So something to think about there. Thielen, eight targets. He caught six for a buck 10 and two. So Thielen getting off to a very nice start here uh, for Minnesota. Kirk Cousins was Basically what we'd expect out of Kirk Cousins. Didn't see a lot of the tight ends in that one. I expected to see more of that uh, there for Minnesota. But, um, you know, that's going to be a tricky one because they're going to use both of those guys this season. On to Miami and New England. Super Cam. Super Cam got in the zone twice as a runner. So even though he only had a buck 55 through the air, <laughs> he only attempted 19 passes. Didn't matter. Huge day for fantasy purposes. 15 for 75. He looked like Cam. That was encouraging. Of course, Sony Michelle got in the end zone as a runner, but who cares? 10 for 37. That's a Sony Michelle line if I ever saw one. In terms of the receivers, Edelman was the top target. They really just, there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone. Cam looked good as a runner, man. Looked good as a runner. On the other side, it was a tough day pretty much all around. 
We will see Fitzpatrick again uh, in week two, it sounds like, but he did toss three picks in this one. So countdown for Tua. I'm sticking to it. I said under four and a half games for Fitzpatrick. I am sticking to that one. I'm sticking to it for Justin Herbert as well, even though Terod Taylor won. Technically speaking, they won that game. I'll talk more about that in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Raiders, Panthers. I was excited by the Panthers offense. I'll tell you what, this game was an easy over on the board uh, and really excited by what we saw here. Teddy, 270 in a touch. You know, the touch, though, was pretty. It was a well-designed play to Robbie Anderson, Temple University. Six for a buck, 15 and eight targets. If you're a DJ Moore owner, you don't like seeing that because he went four for 54. But man, Moore, he, he's, just give it time. He had nine targets. Moore's going to beast this season, okay? Christian McCaffrey doing Christian McCaffrey things. 23 for 96 and two scores. Caught an additional three for 38. Yeah, pretty. On the other side, 25 for 93 and three scores. Josh Jacobs was easy this week. Easy. Uh, and heavily involved there. Now, the thing is, he did have four catches on six targets, so that whole thing about him being involved in the passing game, yeah, that may be happening. I mean, the dude had 29 touches this week. That, that's what you love to see. Henry Ruggs showing some upside, but like I said, banged up. Darren Waller heavily used. I just, he's going to lead the team in targets. Not surprising that he had eight uh, in week one here. Not a lot of Brian Edwards. I wish we would have seen more Brian Edwards, to be honest with you, but... It was week one. All right, moving on here to this, another surprise on the on the board here. The Jags taking down the Colts 27 to 20. Basically, like kind of the opposite of what you'd expect that score to be. Gardner Minshew balling out three touchdown passes. Keelan Cole got one. LaVisca Chanel got one. DJ Chark got one. Not a lot of yardage volume. There and James Robinson for what it was worth. I mean, okay debut, 16 carries for 62. So just you know, just a tick under four yards per carry. Was involved briefly in the passing game, had that 28-yard reception. So solid debut. On the other side, though, the Marlon Mack injury stunk. And then what we saw is this: Naeem Hines had seven carries, and he's gonna draw the focus of fantasy football attention because he had a touchdown as a runner, a touchdown as a receiver. He had eight catches for 45 there. But here's Jonathan Taylor's line, and it's getting lost in the shuffle. Jonathan Taylor had 9 for 22. (laughs) That's not good. But dude had six catches for 67 yards. That's going to get lost in the shuffle here. In a different game script, I think Jonathan Taylor goes out there and has you know, a a much better line. I'm not going to overlook him. We'll talk more about him tomorrow. Paris Campbell, loved seeing that. Nine targets for Paris Campbell, caught six for 71. Was uh, even with T.Y. Hilton in terms of target share there. Michael Pittman wasn't used very much in this one. A lot of people liked him heading into the season. All right, let's move on to a, this one was not a surprise. This one was about as we expected. The Ravens just demolishing the Browns. And I think the big thing here, I mean, Lamar did what Lamar does, you know, so... I, I, t- I did end up taking the under on his rushing yard, so uh, that one hit. But it didn't matter because he put up some big numbers with his arm. The thing that a lot of people are going to focus on is ultimately the backfield. Mark Ingram, 10 carries. J.K. Dobbins, 7, 4 for Gus Edwards. But this was a blowout game. So let's be patient with this one. Dobbins has the two touchdowns. Obviously, people are going to focus on that. I, I don't think we should get too out over our skis on this one, just for now. Let's just be patient. 
Hollywood Brown goes off in this one, but doesn't get the touchdowns. Willie Sneed grabbed one and then two to Mark Andrews. On the Cleveland side, it was just a disaster. And, and of course, David Njoku, just how we drew it up, scored the touchdown. He is now out. <laughs> so, uh, hurt after the contest, and that was the last we heard from David Njoku. It could very well be. We'll see. But be patient if you have OBJ. Be patient if you have Nick Chubb. Be patient if you have Austin Hooper. Be patient if you have Kareem Hunt. That's really what we have to do. Baker Mayfield as well. Just be patient. This was a brutal matchup to start the season for that Cleveland team. All right, moving on to the Chargers and Bengals. And I tell you what, man, Joe Burrow may not have been a big day. I mean, decent enough for fantasy because he, he added with his legs. He's a good runner. But this guy here, now a buck 93 as a passer, wasn't the best day early, but he almost put the team on the back and won the darn game. If it wasn't for the A.J. Green push-off there at the end, I was impressed with Burrow down the stretch. Cool as a cucumber, man. Cool as a cucumber. So the the future looks looks pretty bright for him. Now, of course, we didn't see much out of A.J. Green here. Uh, you know, I saw a whole lot of Casey Hayward on him in this contest. Five for 51, though, for AJ. That was about all there was to write home about. Be patient with Joe Mixon. He had 19 for 69 yards. Anyway, Los Angeles Chargers. Well, this was a weird game for them. I expected more out of Terod Taylor, especially as a runner. Only six for seven. Austin Eckler, basically no receptions. Like, I was really scratching my head at this one. One catch. He has 19 carries, though. And uh, Justin Jackson was dinged up in this one, so Joshua Kelly really emerged. And I told you there was going to be value in that other spot. He goes 12 for 60 and a touch, was getting that crucial work down in the goal line region. Keenan Allen really wasn't used that much. I mean, he had eight targets, but four catches. Mike Williams had four for 69. And then Hunter Hendry had five for 73. I liked how Hendry looked in this one, uh, definitely. All right, moving on to our next contest here. This one was, well, it was supposed to be one of the best on the slate, and I guess it was. It was super entertaining to watch. Tampa and New Orleans. Tampa really just didn't look, they looked a little out of sorts. Uh, they came storming out of the gate, but Brady made some mistakes here. He went for 239 and two, 36 passing attempts for him. Of course, one of those touchdowns to OJ Howard, the other a late touchdown to Mike Evans. And that was all you got from Mike Evans in this one. So definitely was not playing 100%. Godwin had seven targets, caught six for 79. I mean, kind of what you expected there. Gronk was not used in this one, though. Basically, three targets, two for 11 for, for Gronk. Ronald Jones, at least as of now, was the clear lead guy. I thought he looked okay. 17 for 66 on the ground, added two for 16 as a receiver. Fournette was barely used, five for five on the ground, and then he had one for 14 as a receiver. On the other side, it was Camara Day. Could have been an even bigger day for Camara. 12 for 16, though, which is 12 for 16 is not, not uh, the line you're looking for, but he did score a touchdown as a runner. And then, of course, as a receiver, five for 51 and another touchdown. Sanders got in the end zone, but only three for 15. Jared Cook, a pretty big day. Five for 80 for Jared Cook. That's a solid tight end line right there. And we did see 15 carries for Latavius Murray in this one. So something to note there that they're using, you know, using both guys. Not the best week uh, for Drew Brees 
in this contest. I was a little worried about that. That Tampa defense is better than people realize. All right, two more left. Let's do Arizona and San Francisco. And another one, just like we drew it up, right? Arizona winning 24-20, of course. Week one, this was D-Hop. 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 14 for a buck 51 and should have been a touchdown. Anyway, it wasn't. But I, as a D-Hop owner in one of my big leagues, I was really hoping that was a touchdown. It happened and I said, they're going to freaking run it. It's going to be a stupid rushing touchdown, and that's exactly what happened. Kenyon Drake getting in the zone after that. But um, I think the bigger takeaway, other than DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Kyler Murray looked really comfortable out there, dynamic as a runner, 13 for 91 in a score. That touchdown was pretty, and he locked in on Hopkins. 16 targets for Hopkins. He basically didn't look at anybody else. Next most was five targets. Fitz had five. Chase Edmonds had five. I thought Chase Edmonds looked pretty good in this one. He scored the touchdown, but did look pretty good. Something to note there. Definitely worth a little stash. A little stash of rue with Chase Edmonds. And then Christian Kirk had five. Christian Kirk gave you one catch for zero yards. Yeah. Uh, on the San Francisco side, Mostert was balling out. Four for 95 and a touch as a receiver. 15 for 56 as a runner, but 19 touches for him. McKinnon got in as a receiver as well. So Dink and Dunk City for Jimmy Garoppolo, pretty much what we expected. And then Kittle was banged up in this one, so we'll keep an eye on Kittle. Yesterday on CVS, I did say in the showdown slate I was going to use uh, Kyle Juszczyk because he was 200 bucks, <laughs> And I was like, all he has to do is like carry the ball once. Well, he had, he had a 41-yard reception, so Juszczyk for the win. Made a, made a few dollars off of that uh, showdown slate. Was pretty happy about that. Didn't win it, but use check was like the biggest value play that maybe I've ever had. <laughs> anyway, um, last game on the slate. I actually did. I know this was maybe a surprise for some, but I did bet on the Rams uh, to win straight up and uh, and and also with the points and uh, giddy up twenty seventeen. For the Rams in this one, and what we saw was, well, we saw Malcolm Brown. There you go. Malcolm Brown with 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Akers wasn't used. I mean, he had 14 carries, but he wasn't used a lot. But basically, anytime he was on the field, he was touching the ball. So something to think about there. I think it's going to take time. I think there are going to be people who drop Akers. I think that's going to be a mistake. He had one catch for four, uh, whereas uh, Malcolm Brown had three for 31. So, yeah, it's Malcolm Brown now. I don't know if it's not Malcolm Brown for good. This was not the game to go after the short and intermediate. Higby and Cup didn't really get much. It was a Bob Woods day uh, for the the Rams here. Uh, and, and Jared Goff, no passing scores, but this was like a, this was a running back centric game. Is you know Ezekiel Elliott on the other side, 22 for 96 and a touch. And adds three for 31 and a, and a touch as a receiver. Mari Cooper did just fine. 10 for 81. That's a solid PPR day. And then you did actually see CD out-target Michael Gallup here. Ruh-roh. Um, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Gallup did have that pass interference, the offensive pass interference as well, in this game that, that was certainly buzzing there. Anyway, there you go. That's the slate. Tonight. I think you're playing it pretty straightforward here. You're not going to overthink anything if you're coming down and you have some final, you know, some final thoughts or anything like that. You know, in terms of the second game, basically all the matchups are straightforward across the board. 
in terms of the first game, it's a nice little upgrade for Ben. But what I will say is game script, if they get out to a big lead, it's not going to be a huge Ben day. I also think this is a tough matchup for Daniel Jones. So if like it came down and you have just two left and you're like Ben or or Jones, I'm going Ben. All right. So anyway, tomorrow on the show, we will break down the week two fantasy football waiver wire. In the meantime, you can do me a favor. Head on over to FTNFantasy.com and go check out everything we have to offer. The site continues to get better every single day. If you haven't reviewed the show on iTunes, please do. Uh, It's really easy, actually. If you have an iPhone especially, open up the podcast app, find my podcast, The Rant, scroll to the bottom, click the stars. That's it. Really helps me out. We're on our way to 1K. That's the goal, baby. All right, at Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram. Use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. And we'll be back tomorrow. So I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Rackliff, and I'm out of here. Thank you.